Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we've turned the page to a new year, many are wondering what will come next and how to navigate it when it does. We invite you to tune into our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today, as we explore the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25. Together, we'll learn to look toward the future because what we believe about tomorrow defines the way we'll spend today. Let's discover God's answer to the question on everyone's mind. What now? You know, as we get rocking and rolling into a new facility and uh, kind of coming out of the COVID season and such things, um, ministry is coming back full tilt, which means there's ministry opportunities galore for, for you. Uh, we've got opportunities to serve in one of the most exciting places to impact the world, and that's in our kids' ministry. If you'd like to serve there, uh, let us know that. You can use the app or, or um, talk to Annette, and we'll, we'll give you steps for that. If you'd like to serve in the worship team, probably the second most exciting place to impact the world uh, through, through the band ministry. So if you play an instrument or sing or feel free to talk to Eric. We'd love to get you engaged into that. Community ministry is full tilt around here. So thanks to those of you, as Joe said, for serving Jesus yesterday. That was just a lot of fun uh, serving alongside of our community partners as well as the people that could benefit from that food. That was a pretty exciting thing. Um, also, before we get started in Matthew 24, I wanted to let you know there's an awesome, exciting opportunity to uh, help this a very key ministry in our, in our county called Sparrow Pregnancy Center, uh, formerly known as Blue Water Pregnancy Center. It's located up in Port Huron. It's the only crisis pregnancy center in our county. And typically about this time of year, they have a big fundraising thing, but you know big just doesn't typically happen uh, because of COVID right now. So they are decentralizing that, and there's a bunch of little things that are happening. And here in the best spot in St. Clair County in Algonac, there is an event on Thursday, March 6th. There's a gala event at the Algonac Lions Club. And if you'd like to be a part of that, Tanya's going to be back at that table at the back window. Uh, we'd love to get you that information. It's a great way for you to invest financially into this ministry that is so desperately needed in our region here. Uh, we believe that God has, he's the author of life, that he has sanctified human life uh, because of creating us in his image. And we want to do all we can uh, to support any families that are in crisis uh, during that difficult season. Uh, so see Tanya in the back after service. All right, let's take our Bibles. Matthew chapter 24. As we continue our series, we started a few weeks ago. You know, in our, in our lives, we find that warranties are pretty important. Would you agree? When you buy something, don't you hope that it will last? Right? When you... Uh, when you purchase a product, the, you want that assurance that it's going to work. When you vote for a politician, you want some kind of assurance that he's going to follow through on his promises. When you go for a medical procedure, you like to ask the doctor, okay, what are the chances here this is going to work? Right? And if he comes back to you and says, well, we don't really know. You know, it's just kind of shot in the dark. You'd probably say, then I'm not, I'm not stepping into that. 
But if he's able to say, no, no, I, I, I can give you an assurance that there's a very high probability this is going to work. You like to have those assurances, which humans do. A week or two ago, I went back to the auto parts store where I had purchased a, an auto part about six months ago, in July, actually, according to my receipt. Um, and that part failed again. And so I went online to see, okay, what's this going to cost me? And I saw the part that I ordered, and oh, there's a limited lifetime warranty. I'm good. So I take that part back to the auto s- store and say, I put this in and, in July, and it's not working, but I saw there's a warranty. I said, okay, let me see. Oh, it's a limited lifetime warranty. So that means it's like it's free from manufacturer's defect. And so you've been there, maybe. I felt my blood pressure start to rise. Start to think, this is the last time I'm ever good and be in this store again. And so she says to her manager, but this is your department. So he comes over and said, oh, what's the problem? I said, well, I purchased this in July and it, and it broke again. He said, okay, no problem. And got me a new part, handed it to me. He said, you're all set. I walked out the door thinking, I'll probably come back here again. It's a good place to be. Because they were true to the manufacturer, excuse me, the, the, the warranty that came with the product. Well, in our passage this morning, you're going to see Jesus give a very strong statement of assurance that what he has to say to us can be trusted. In Matthew 24 and 25, we have what some have called the Olivet Discourse. It simply means a sermon that he gave on the Mount of Olives. But you don't have to use those six words. You can just say Olivet Discourse. But scholars tell us that it's one of the most difficult passages to interpret. So we're braving it. As Woodside, one of the values that Woodside has is we live courageously. We're courageously stepping into this because we believe that the intention of Jesus as he gives these words is to help his followers know how to live. And there's clear understanding of how we live based on what he says, even though there may be some variety of understandings of exactly how it's going to play out The end result is Jesus saying, follow me. And we believe he gives clear instruction on how to follow him. So Matthew 24. Jesus in this passage, in this Olivet Discourse, uses some extremely colorful language as he describes a horrible time of suffering that the world will go through. And Jesus had said previously, in the world you'll have tribulation, but fear not because I have overcome the world. He describes wars and famines and earthquakes and hatred and false prophets deceiving many people. Jesus says it's kind of like birth pains. Half of you can probably relate to that. That that this is a very difficult season, these birth pains that come on the world. In fact, Jesus says it's going to be so severe, the only thing that would stop it from, stop humanity from completely destroying itself is the sovereign control of God that will keep it from falling over the edge. And what, that, what will stop this is the Son of Man coming like lightning in the sky. There's no doubt Jesus returns 
and it stops the evil, and God ushers in a beautiful experience in his creation. So our passage this morning, as this continues, is chapter 24 and verse 20, 29 through 35. So let's read it. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. Stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson, Jesus said. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus gives some extraordinary descriptions, ending it with this lifetime guarantee that nothing else can provide. So three, three major elements that Jesus gives in this passage. First of all, he assures us of judgment. Judgment of Israel, judgment of nations. He says judgment is administered as he gives us this glimpse into the future. First couple of verses, he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven will be shaken, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Whoa! Those are foreboding words. Even the word foreboding is kind of foreboding, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it just causes you to stop and think, wow, this doesn't seem like this meek and mild Jesus talking here. But remember, Jesus is king. He rules. And he was the strongest man that ever lived. And he says this description. It's actually, this would have been somewhat familiar to the Jews that have, would have pro- studied the prophets. That description of the sun darkening and the moon not giving its light and the stars falling, that's directly from the prophet Isaiah, who would have prophesied about 600 years before. When Isaiah gave those words from God, he was speaking those words to the Babylonian Empire. Now, hang with me here. Some of you love history, so you'll be okay. Some of you don't, but this is, this is important. So Isaiah prophesied to Israel that said, because you've rebelled against God over and over and over and you've not turned to him, he's going to send the Babylonians to you and they're going to defeat you as a nation and take you into exile. You've heard of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian empire in history books. That's what that's recorded in scripture. So Isaiah prophesied that and then... He writes to the Babylonians and says to them, and because you went against God's people, God's judgment's going to come to you. It will be like the sun that goes dark and the moon that loses its light and the stars that fall from heaven. 
that type of judgment will come to you. Even though they were used by God to bring judgment to God's people, still, that was of their own free will, even though he sovereignly controlled them, God says, because you chose to go against my people, I will bring judgment to you. So they would have, the Jews in Jesus' day would have been familiar with those words, and they would have said, yeah, those Babylonians, they got what they had coming to them. And now Jesus says to them, mm, it's coming to you. Now, there's a variety of interpretations of this. Some believe this is a literal expression. Now, it didn't literally happen to the Babylonians that we can see. The sun didn't, like, go dark, and the moon went dark, and stars, meteorites fell from, from heaven. We don't see any record of that. And so some would say, well, this, that's because it, was, it came allegorically in judgment to them, but now it's going to come literally in the future. That's what Jesus is talking about. And that could be. It could possibly be an allegorical description of the judgment that was going to come when the Son of Man appears. That could be. But let me just say this. When the sun goes dark, people notice. It happened in our country in 2017. Do you remember the great eclipse of 2017? Remember that? In some parts of our nation, uh, it was a quite an extraordinary experience. Where we were, I remember going outside and using those cool glasses that Walmart made a killing on, everybody buying those things. You could see the eclipse and, and such things and watching shadows on the ground and, and, and such things. Uh, here is a short video, a time-lapse video from Greenville, South Carolina, I think. Did we get that on there? Maybe not. Yes? Yes. Okay, here's a time-lapse. So it's a big party going on as everybody gathered outside to see this thing that supposedly was going to happen. How dark is it really going to happen? Uh, these people in Greenville, South Carolina thought, and it did go dark in their part of the world. People taking pictures, it was a pretty cool thing as they gather, and then, it, and then the eclipse ends, and people continue their beach party, and on and on they go, right? So, so the eclipse, as the astrologer, astronomers, whatever, whatever the word that is, as they predicted this is going to happen, you don't want to miss this, people went outside, and they washed in, it was a pretty cool thing, but life just kind of went on. Some say... Well, this is going to be the next eclipse. It's going to happen in 100 years. So I've even heard some people say, okay, Son of Man didn't come at this eclipse, but he's going to come at the next eclipse in 900, or, or 99 years. So be ready. Well, I don't think so. As Jesus describes this darkening of the sky, this would be sudden, unexplainable, surprising when the Son of Man comes. I also don't think that Jesus gives us that description so that we can go staring up at the skies and wait until something like this happens. What seems to be most clear in this passage is that Jesus is saying judgment is coming. There was judgment that was coming to Israel and, and some would say that it was the destruction of the temple where that began, this, this time of tribulation. Some would even describe the, that initial destruction of Jerusalem that was so gruesome that actually ended the nation of Israel, as we talked last week, from that time in AD 70, for the next 1,900 years, there was no nation of Israel. It was that 
type of destruction. And it makes me think, well, yeah, that sounds like the sun being darkened and the moon not giving light and stars falling. Everything that you trusted in now goes dark as a nation. But then in the passage, we see that Jesus is also saying, yeah, but it's not just here because the the nations will mourn. So this season of tribulation will expand beyond simply just Israel. This destruction will go, or the, the tribulation, the time of suffering will go throughout the whole world. And there'll be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. Have you heard of any of that in the news? Where Jesus is saying, yeah, that's the condition of the world. And it will be like that, and you'll have those times where you think, the end of the world, we're all going to destroy ourselves. Finger, fingers are almost pushing that nuclear button that's just going to wipe out mankind. Jesus is, is saying, this is the condition of our world until Jesus returns. And when he does... It will come in, in, for many in a spirit of judgment. Many have asked the question, well, if, if the world is so bad, why doesn't God just fix it? He could. And yes, absolutely he could. And there's one reason why he has not come back to fix this yet. And you know what it is? It's because of his grace and his patience because he wants more people to come to know him before final judgment comes. The only reason that God's waiting for the Son of Man to come in His glory is because He's waiting for more people to trust in Him. He's not satisfied with the guest list in His heaven yet. He wants more people to RSVP so that they can experience the joy that comes at His coming. Secondly, in this passage, we see judgment, but we also see Jesus' enthronement. We see Jesus the King. Verse 30, it says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Jesus, in fulfillment of the plan of redemption, will shake the heavens and come with his power and glory that will be seen throughout the world. Jesus, when he came the first time, and in fact, when he was speaking these words, he he had come in the form of what Isaiah called the suffering servant, right? He came as God and man to the world to give his life for the salvation of their souls, to pay for their sin. He came to die. That's why he came the first time, to die the death that all of us deserved. And then he gives this glimpse into the future when the Son of Man returns, now coming differently. So when Jesus gave his life on the cross, rose from the dead, the Bible says that 40 days later he ascended back to the Father's right hand. And there's about a hundred, I looked even this morning, there's a hundred verses in the New Testament that describe that Jesus is at this moment seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling over the world. Right, So there's no doubt, according to the teachings of Scripture, that Jesus right now is king. He is ruling. 
And so it's not like Jesus is out of control, not sure how this is all going to work out until he comes back. No, in this moment, he is fully in control. He is king. He is enthroned above all the earth. First Peter chapter 3 says, Who has gone into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him? That's his present state. We just aren't really seeing it right now. One day, knees will bow and tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord. Those who reject him will be forced to bend the knee, forced to acknowledge that he is king. Those who right now in this life are acknowledging his lordship, they will stand with great joy and worship him as as he returns. But in this moment, as Jesus describes, I see Jesus saying, my victory will be revealed. Oh, he's victorious now. And those that trust in him are victors with him. But one day his victory will be seen. For instance, maybe for an example, for a picture that just kind of helped me. Maybe this will help you. This week I stopped by a friend's house who lives along the, one of the canals just north of town. He's been working on this cottage for about two years. And I had stopped and seen him a couple of times throughout this journey. And I'm telling you, what he bought, it needed a lot of work. And so he, he had gutted it, he torn out floor, torn down walls. I mean, it, it, what I saw this week didn't even look like the cottage that I saw two years ago. So the last two years has been spent with it looking like it was utter chaos. Looking like there was times, if, if he hadn't have been there explaining what he was doing, I would have this thought, dude, this guy's out of control. He, 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 I'm not sure he knows what he's doing, because this is a mess. But what I saw this week assured me that actually he knew what he was doing all along. So he didn't suddenly become owner once he could move furniture in. No, Chuck was the owner of this property, and he was the restorer of this property. And even though there were times where it looked like, oh no, what's going to happen? Still, he he was ruling over this space. But now, when his work is finished and he's ready, he will enter into that place with his family, put out the beds and the dining room table, and that will be home. It'll kind of be like, guys... I know it's a long journey, but wasn't it worth it? And this is what I had pictured all along. Maybe in those seasons when you doubted me and you didn't know if this was all going to work out, now we can enjoy it. We're kind of in that stage, folks, where the, where the cottage is still a mess, but don't doubt for a minute that Jesus is king. And that he is ruling. And as you look in the mirror into your own life, you might think, wow, this is a mess. Why doesn't God fix this? Why does he allow these problems to come into my life? Let me just tell you, he is. And because God is timeless, we could probably rightly say he has fixed it. There's just more time yet from our perspective to see how he's bringing that shack of rubble into a mansion of glory. Hang in there. There will be times of judgment in our world. Our world will be 
a difficult place to be. But he's the king, and one day we'll see it. We'll see him enthroned. There's a third, there's a third element to this that just moves my heart, even as we sang our songs this morning. And that is the, the, the reality that the gospel is global. As Jesus gives this picture, what I believe is both the immediate future as he's talking as well as the, the future that we're experiencing now, we see his reflection that his message of salvation is for all the world. Verse 31 says, He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He'll gather his elect. Those are those who have believed in him. That he's chosen from the foundation of the earth. He's gathering them from every place under heaven. From the east and the west and the north and the south. Very consistent with Jesus' words to his followers when he said, just before he went to the Father, he said, now go with my message and make disciples in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most part of the world. In other words, the east and the west and the north and the south. Take it everywhere because my people are everywhere and I long for people of every tribe and every nation to acknowledge me as Lord so they can experience the finished cottage. So take the message everywhere. So the church, the, the apostles began to do that and move from Jerusalem to Antioch. The Antioch church began to send people out and they began to pray and move throughout that known Roman world. And it didn't stop there. It moved from Asia and Asia Minor across into Africa, into the regions and across the Atlantic, even all the way to the Americas. And here we are today in Algonac, treasuring the message of Jesus that he's recorded in his word. You have it in your own mother tongue. Why? Because the church has been faithful to do what Jesus commanded, to take it to the regions of the world. Now the reality is, the tragic reality is, not every culture experiences the joy we have here. So the message continues to us to say, keep going. Keep going because here's one thing we know. There's more people that need to know because he hasn't come back yet. So don't just sit there looking at the sky, wondering if he's coming. That's never been God's intention. Jesus' intention is, to, okay, be faithful. Take it to your neighbors. Take it, send people uh, to the regions beyond. Go yourself. Give all that God's called us to do. Not to hoard the treasure that he's put into our hands, but to share it. Students, you've got fellow students that don't know Jesus yet. And you have that treasure God's entrusted that to you, not just so that you enjoy the benefits, but so that you can help other students enjoy it too. We have neighbors that need Jesus. But you realize this, if every Christian told their neighbor about Jesus, there'd still be a major portion of the world that would never hear about Jesus. Because there's regions of the world that don't have neighbors that know Jesus. And that's why he said to go. Not just to your neighbors. He said to take it to the regions of the world. We've got to cross into cultures, in, in, into regions that don't yet know Jesus. So what do we do? Well, Jesus said, so pray the Lord of his harvest to send laborers into his into harvest field. So we pray. We pray for those that don't yet 
know Christ. And, you know, we, we were introduced to the new website today. If you go to that website and you go to the global tab, you'll see a number of parts of the world where Woodside is pressing into because it's regions of the world that have very little gospel witness. One of the reasons we put that on the website is so you can pray. So you can labor with those who are laboring as you pray for them. I'd commend to you the website operationworld.org, operationworld.org. That's a, that's a, a, a Christian website that very um, systematically presents every day a people group in the world and how we can pray for that people group. Many of them have very little access to the scripture. So we pray that God would penetrate that region. We can, we can pray. Woodside has about 38 missionaries scattered throughout the world. We can be praying for them. Secondly, we can send. We can send people. We can look around here and point out people to say, okay, we don't like you here. Why don't you go? I'm just kidding, Courtney. We do like you here. No, that's not how you send. But you pray as a church family, God, would you give us the privilege of raising up from us people that we can entrust with the gospel to go into regions that we, present, we all can't go? Woodside has started the Global 100. It's our goal in the next 10 years to send 100 people from our Woodside families into the unreached tribes of the world. Right now, we have 18 people preparing um, in a discipleship pathway, preparing to take the gospel. And maybe some of our young people would say, that, I wasn't sure what God wanted to do in my life, but maybe that's something he has for me. Or maybe you're like Jay and Judy Francis, friends of mine. They retired early 10 years ago. He was an engineer, she was a nurse. And they thought, okay, we've got physical strength, we've got energy, and now we've got some discretionary income. What should we do? So they spent the last 10 years serving in hospitality and health care on the mission field because they believe our time is precious. He, Jesus said, redeem the time because the days are evil. So we're going to use this re early retirement to serve in a place of need. And maybe that's something God's calling us to. Maybe there's people that we send in such a way. We can go. Uh, you know, not in a pandemic, you can't go. But this pandemic isn't going to last forever, but pretty soon flights will open and maybe we can use the liberties that God's given to us as Americans to travel into regions of the world to assist in the task of sharing Jesus in other cultures. Students, I just want you to know, Hope Week is scheduled for the end of July. It's a six-day experience where students from all over Woodside come together. They stay on Rochester University's campus, and then they serve during the day in Dearborn and Detroit and Pontiac. There's about 300 students that will be serving in that way. What a great way to go with the gospel. Pretty soon, short-term mission trips are going to open up again, and we encourage all of you to ask the Lord, God, would you want me to go? Can I use a week of my vacation to serve in another culture? Why do we do that? And because there's some, some that would say, we got enough problems right here. Why would we go somewhere else? That's so valid. There are a lot of concerns right here. Which is why we do the grocery giveaway, like happened yesterday. Which is why we've got one scheduled in April. 
which is why we serve in, for the, in the homeless community like, like many of you gave uh, towards that ministry the last couple of weeks, which is why we serve in kids' uh, ministry and in our community. We do that too. But if we only concern ourselves with here, it's the east, west, north, and south that will suffer. So Jesus, in this glimpse, where, and I, I, granted, there are a variety of interpretations. Some believe that some of these verses are speaking to a seven-year experience called the tribulation. When in that tribulation, things will get very dark. Maybe Jesus will rapture the church during that season so, we can, so he preserves his elect from the severe persecution. Some believe that, well, why would we think we would be protected from that when much of the church is suffering already? I don't, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but this I know. Jesus said he's coming back. And he's going to come back at a time when we desperately need him, at a time when the gospel has gone throughout the regions of the world, and he will establish his kingdom where finally we'll be able to experience life as he originally intended it to be. Here's the thing. Verse 32 says, the fig from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, what are all these things? All this trouble, all this trouble out the world. Have you seen any of that? Okay, then know that it's near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What things? This trouble, this suffering. Have you seen it? Yep. This generation is not going to pass away until you've seen it, and you've seen it. Then he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. There's no stronger warranty than Jesus when he says, the one thing you can be confident in is our world. No, you can't. This is the only thing you can be confident in, that my words will come to pass. So as we think on this, on this, this section of the Olivet Discourse, key questions came to my mind. First of all, the question of, if our experience at his coming is based on our posture in, when he comes, then what is my posture today? If when he returns, those who are not acknowledging him as Lord will experience judgment at his coming, and those who are acknowledging him as Lord when he comes will experience joy at his coming, then the key question I need to ask myself is, have I submitted myself to him, him as my Lord and my master? Is he your Lord? I'm not asking, is he Lord of all? He is. You can't, you can't make him Lord because he is Lord. But have you submitted yourself under his leadership? Have you acknowledged him as Lord? This can be the day. If you've been wrestling through that, this can be the day to ensure that you are ready for his return. If he is Lord... 
then are we a part of that movement of taking his gospel and spreading it to the nations? Are we faithful here? Are you active here? Are you sharing that with your family? Are you looking for opportunities with the friends that God has given to you? That treasure we have is too precious to hold to ourselves. Let's share it. And then, that big idea of today, his words will not pass away. Would you characterize your life as a life that believes that? Would you say that your life could be described as a life that trusts in the words of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I admit that some of these pictures you've given to us in your word are, um, some are stunning, some cause our eyes to go wide and maybe wonder how in the world and when in the world will all this, all this happen. You've never asked us to figure everything out according to your timing. In fact, you've made it very clear to leave that with the Father. And your words to us have been to live a life that's ready for your return. So I, I pray that we, the people that are here in this building, the people that are watching on this, on this stream, Lord, I pray that we would ask ourselves that question. Am I ready for the king to return? And if there's something you reveal to us, Lord, that isn't quite right, isn't quite ready, I pray that we would turn from that, we'd turn to you and allow you to cleanse us and restore that area of brokenness in our life. I also pray for those around us that don't yet know you, Lord. I pray that somehow your spirit would step into their life and and prepare their hearts so that they are ready for your return. Maybe you can use us in our kindness or in our gospel witness or telling them about how you worked in our lives. Lord, use us to help them be ready for your return. We love you, Father. You're so good to us. We say to you, whatever you want to do, we submit to it. You are king. You are Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.